let's give it up. I want to say a huge thanks to our media team and support staff. They make that happen every week and don't, I mean, it's just a, yeah, give it, give it back up for them. They work hard and do an excellent job on that ministry. It is wonderful. And the same, uh, Rich and Jen, thank you for sharing your heart. That was spot on and such a blessing. This is such an absolute blessing uh, to see the family be family. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I do want to encourage you, as Pastor Henry said, uh, we will be doing that Bible study on James. So if you're not serving in our kids' ministry, our preschool ministry on Wednesday nights, and trust me, uh, they'll gladly uh, recruit you if God moves your heart to do that. And the workers are always needed there to take care of the little ones because uh, Jesus told us about the importance of that, is uh, making sure we always take care of the little ones. And they, they, they gladly would welcome the help. But if not, and you're not serving there, uh, then we will be meeting over here to my left in this room uh, off of this side of the building is where we'll be doing the book of James. We'd said the fellowship hall, but we're going to move it over here for logistics. We're trying to move some different things around and students. And then Jonathan Slatton's in the house. Jonathan, stand up. Would y'all help me welcome our middle school minister, Jonathan Slatton? All right. It is great to have you here, man, on, on the team and a part of the Smoke Rice family. Well, I promise y'all, y'all are about to hear the shortest message I've ever preached. Uh, in my life, um, and uh, yeah, I'm just clapping for that. I heard that smart aleck. All right, and uh, but uh, but I promise it is, and it's just an overview, just of the the beauty of what God was doing in the early church. And I promise we'll get through it very quick, quicker than the normal. Um, but this is such a blessing. We've been talking about uh, the early church in the book of Acts, and we talked about how God had told the apostles to gather together and that that would be birthed by prayer and uh, the heartbeat of God to send the Holy Spirit bearing witness of Jesus' his Son. And so my uh, title this morning is An Inside Look at the Early Church, and the takeaway is a selfless church will always be about, look at this, salvation, serving, stopping sin, or serious about sin, and spreading the gospel. That's what we see in Acts 4.32 through the first part of Acts chapter 6. And all I'm doing this morning is going to give you just a quick overview uh, of those. And I want to give you the overview. And first, here's what we see. is We see a church that is unified, generous, and selfless. A church that is unified, generous, and selfless. And so uh, a faith family will have everything. Rich mentioned this word. A faith family will have everything in common. And remember, the way God builds uh, in uh, the institution he's ordained, which remember we said uh, is the family and the faith family, the way God deals, uh, builds that family is he builds it based upon his word and by his spirit. And if you'll notice the commonality and the unity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it's the most beautiful picture you'll ever see of relationship. And so God wants to do the same thing as we've stressed the importance of family. He wants to do it in my family. He wants to do it in your family. He wants to do it in your children's children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And God has the answer, and his answer is his word. And his answer is to be given away by the church who find that answer in the word to offer it to others in a uh, selfless way. And so Acts 4, 32 through 37, I just want to give you kind of the overview. I will not read all these verses for time's sake, but I want to tell you what was going on here. In chapter uh, 4 of verse 32, uh, literally, it said, All of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And they came together in such a family dynamic, having everything in common, that literally there were no needs. There were no needs in the church. Every need was met by the church. Not the government, 
but by the church and the church alone. For instance, it would be this way this morning. If we had someone here who was a family and their great need was they had a sick child, And the only way that that child was going to be able to receive help or even uh, possibly be able to have their life was for uh, $30,000 to come up on the table today. We would meet that need. That's what they did. We would meet that need. You say, how in the world does a group of people come up with $30,000 on the table the same way they did? They looked at nothing that they had as their own. They looked at nothing that they had as their own. And they followed the Spirit. And as the Spirit said, there's a need, you meet this, you give this, you sell this to help meet the need. How many would say, that's pretty selfless right there, amen? In a culture where we've been, I've used to say, what can I get, what can I store? They had everything in common, unity, they were of one heart, one soul, everyone was generous, selflessness is what we see. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his. I love that verse right there. And they literally came and would lay these things at the apostles' feet, not for the apostles, but basically to meet the needs of that body as the apostles preached the word and entrusted God to take care of them and the entire church. And so there's one man that we meet here after we see the great power anointed preaching in verse 33 of Acts chapter 4. That's what was going on. It says, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. They were just preaching the gospel, said there was not a needy person among them, and said that people were going out and literally selling their land so that all needs could be met. And they introduced this character who we see through the rest of the book of Acts. Um, And basically when you see this character introduced, you find first of all uh, that his name was Joseph. But we do not know him by the name of Joseph because they called him Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. Think about the times when you've had sickness, suffering, uh, financial strain, financial needs, situations. Think about when someone God used to help with that and meet that need. Was that not a huge encouragement to you? Think about how when we step out and we meet the need of the orphan, we meet the need of the widow, we meet the need of the, of, of the, of the children in the shadow of our steeples who may be living in uh, hostile environments or dysfunction. When we step out and help the, uh, the lady who's living in domestic violence, you see, it's a generous thing, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful picture of the heart of God, the unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and absolutely God blesses it. Now can you just imagine, as this is going on in the early church, more being added by the thousands up to some 20,000 since they've kicked off and started, the Spirit of God is brought to faith in Him. Can you imagine the enemy, Satan, and the enemies of hell, how distraught they are and how disturbed they are? And their game meeting and their plan to go, we have got to do something. We have got to do something. To, we, we're not being effective from the outside. We've got to get on the what? Inside. Inside, the enemy will always have a plan of attack on the inside. So secondly, we see sin, the consequences of sin, and the need for salvation. So in Acts chapter 5, you fast forward, and you've got these two characters called Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira, basically, they said, oh, wow, Barnabas gave away his land and, um, and, and for the benefits and the proceeds of money to be benefits to meet needs. Honey, maybe we should do the same. But there was one problem. They weren't truly selfless. They were more about themselves, more about their pride, more about their, what they could attain themselves. 
but they also not only wanted to have money and plenty themselves to look out for themselves, number one, they had this deep desire to look good to everybody else. They had this desire to look good to everybody else, kind of like the Pharisees, more worried about what the outside looks like when God knew the heart. So they came in, they said, we want to be like Barnabas. We want to be like Barnabas. We have sowed this piece of property, and our hearts are so to meet the needs and these other needs to help meet them to do our part, because it all takes a team. And we want to donate all these proceeds of the sale of our land to help meet these needs. But there was one problem. They didn't donate all the proceeds. They withheld part of the proceeds, but they told the people they were bringing all of the proceeds from the land. Well, that shows us that we have a holy God, a righteous God, a just God, and he's very serious about sin. And literally, we see one of the strongest chapters of sin being dealt with in the Bible in the early church because you know what happened when they questioned Ananias? <laughs> they said, why have you lied to who? The Holy Spirit. God. Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit knows all the Holy Spirit reveals. And basically, you see in Acts chapter 5, where Ananias heard these words, he fell down, breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. All, uh, that fear, that fear we talk about, that healthy fear of a reverential God who's serious about sin and serious about protecting his church. Fear came on them. The wife didn't even realize he had died. She comes in three hours later. They ask her about it, and guess what she does? She lies as well. She lies as well, and guess what happened to her? She died as well. Very serious about sin. So God used that platform of the seriousness of sin. Then, if you look in Acts chapter 5, basically, we then see God set up a platform where there's many signs, wonders, and deeds done. Uh, God takes the greedy hearts of two people. He redeems, he redeems that situation so it doesn't bring harm against the church anymore. And basically, we see the apostles, and God begins to work through them in signs and wonders, verse 12 through 16. Salvations are a result of that. And get this, in verse 12 through 16, God was moving so much in the life of the apostles and his time for what he had for them right now. They were bringing sick people that the shadow of Peter, since he was just one man and had God's anointing on that even in the shadow of Peter, they could receive healing from God and the work that he was doing in the early church. People were bringing the sick. People were bringing those that had need. Wouldn't you love to get to a place that on every Sunday we had to take 15 minutes just to pray over people that we were bringing in who were sick and wanted healing? Wouldn't you love every Sunday to take up ten, fifteen thousand dollars, which would be possible to meet every need in the shadows of our steeples if we trusted God and we were selfless? God could do it. God could do it. It just takes a selfless heart. And so we see that happening. Now here's what happens. The high priest and the Sadducees were filled with jealousy because the enemy was at work within them, and the enemy hates God, and he always will. They were filled with jealousy. They locked the apostles in prison. God comes and sets them free from prison. They wake up, the, the high priest, and uh, everybody wakes up, and they're panicking about it. And so the report comes back to them that verse 17 through 42 of chapter 5, it basically comes like this, I'm paraphrasing, but you're not going to believe this, they say to them. And they say, what, did you find them? Where are they? And they said, those crazy apostles are in the temple teaching again about Jesus, about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so they go to the apostles, the high priests and Sadducees, and they say, we strictly charge you not to speak in the name of Jesus. And verse 30, very, very powerful verse that we should walk by as witnesses of Christ. 
they say, the apostles say this, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. So my next question is, is who's going to bring me breakfast when I'm behind bars for preaching the truth, right? Somebody going to bring me breakfast? Who's going to come and stay in that cell for preaching the truth, depending on God that he would take care of that situation? And even when we're behind bars, if we have been faithful to the calling on our life and faithful to the gospel, God will intervene and God will use that for his glory. We must obey God rather than men. Can I tell you one of my greatest concerns? In this country, when the times get really tough, in this country, you know as well as I know, if the government did send down a decree or an order that said, if you tell any person about Jesus, if you say anything about the Bible, you'll go to jail. You'll go to jail. Now, you know as well as I do that a lot of people would follow the government. I, I call that American Christians. American Christians. They got more allegiance to their government than they do the Lord. So a lot of people would follow. And we're told in the Bible, what do you do when that happens? Because we're told to submit to government. That's right. We're told to pray for our leaders, no matter who they are. If it's the one you voted, we're told to pray for them. But when it comes down to God or government, who do we obey, church? God, easy to say, different to walk. And so that's the way they were. We must obey God rather than men or rather the government. But here's the beauty of that. Here's what's crazy. is most would think, well, I'll tell you what, if that happened in America, I'm telling you, it'd probably clean the church out because a lot of them's just not going to do it or face persecution. And you're right, but here's the beauty of that. It's sad, but here's what God does with that. The same thing he did here. The true believer that is willing to lay their life on the line, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow Jesus, they're going to actually start sharing more. They're going to have a boldness come on them, and God's going to use that for his glory. The shame is, is that God has to use that persecution to get us to do what he's given us as Americans a beautiful opportunity to do before the persecution comes. And we're just kind of not selfless. We're kind of more selfish, right, as individuals. We're kind of more into keeping our proceeds from ourselves. We're kind of in the heartbeat many times of looking out for me, my four, and no more, rather than saying, going to church and saying, I hope we get to meet a need today. I hope we get to meet a need today. I hope the couple we invited during the week, the woman living in domestic violence, the new family, I hope they'll show up and that they can see the love of God, and if there's a need, we can meet the need. And so they said, we must obey God rather than men. And then here's the beauty of what happened in chapter 5. And God working out. There was a man named Gamel. And so when the Pharisees were coming against the apostles, this man offered some of the wisest advice we see in the book of Acts, coming from one who he himself didn't understand it all either and was not an apostle. But he told them, he said, basically here's what he said about the apostles and mentioning Jesus. He said, let it be, wait and see if it's real, 
it won't be sealed. Now think about that. We talk about the gospel. Let it be. He said, let it be. Leave them alone. Let them keep preaching it. Let it be. Wait and see. If it's real, it won't be sealed. Because there were others, and he gave examples that they came, had a following one of them of 400. He claimed to have truth, claimed to have way. It was different from the law. They were what they'd been taught on. He said, but guess what? It dissipated. It died. If it's real, it can't be stilled. Amen, church? And it wasn't. It wasn't. It isn't. It's still the most powerful, powerful source, strength of healing, of life eternal is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can't be stilled. But the question is, has it been stilled in your heart? Has it been stilled in my heart? Because the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And he loves to steal, using the word steal in another way, and steal the gospel in your heart so that you will not share it with anybody else to where you eventually die off when the church was birthed as a movement. That's the difference. So the last thing we see, and I'm going to ask Ricky to come up and play as I give you this one real quick. We see the vision in chapter 6. We see the vision, direction, and devotion. The first is a negative that God redeems. The first thing we see in Acts chapter 6 is that the enemy couldn't come from the outside. The enemy couldn't come to get in Ananias and Sapphira, and God redeemed that. And now we have the people of faith following Christ. Y'all are not going to believe this, church. Just, just kind of hold your seat. They disagreed in the church. They, they started arguing in the church. And what their argument was over is you had Jewish widows. They were all Jews at this point. It's the church of Israel. You had Jewish widows, but some were from Palestine. Some were from Hayden. And others, Jews, were from Kimberley or Morris or Cleveland or Locust Fort. And so some of the internally focused people felt like that that Hayden was being neglected. That there wasn't enough time being spent to take care of Hayden's widows. To take care of the Palestinian Jewish widows. And so the apostles had to deal with that. Now up until this point, here's what you've got to read in this and see this, that the apostles were handling a lot of the load that God was about to remove from them. They were also not only having to minister the word, they were having to take care of these widows as God was establishing order in the church. And the Spirit of God spoke to the apostles and basically that's where we see the correction of the division and the direction and the devotion because the apostles come in and they gave direction. And they said, a point out from you, seven men full of the Spirit of God with a heart and a passion, a man after God's own heart, a heart and a passion to be a leading servant in the church so that widows aren't neglected, so that the orphans are taken care of, so that the tables are broken down, so that the tables are set up, so that the lights are changed, so that the leaky toilet is fixed. Whatever need there is, 
Whatever need there is within the church, around the place you worship, point these men out to be men of God and to be soul winners like Stephen and that they could serve. Because our priority, they said, in devotion is to prayer, to preaching the Word of God. Amen? That's the beauty. And church, can I say something? When a body serves together and everybody realizes there's a minister, great things can happen at a much greater pace. Great things. But if we come in and all we are there to do is sit and receive and allow others to serve, God gets no glory from that heart. So, God's calling us all to be one. And one of the greatest ways God brings oneness and brings us together is through the simple, selfless act of serving one another. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so as you... As you think about that and you pray about that, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. This is, this is it. This is the only time of response and commitment that we're going to have just real quick. The one thing I can assure you, we were saved to serve. We were saved to be like Christ. He said, Mark 10, 45, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve and give my life a ransom for many. And everyone who would follow him would deny self, take up your cross, and serve him. So you pray in your heart. If you say, I want to meet this Lord because there's an urge in me right now to die to myself, to die to my selfishness, and receive him as Lord, will you just simply tell him you're sorry for your sin and ask him to come in and be your Lord and Savior. He'll save you. He'll save you right now. And then if you're here and you say, well, Pastor, I've kind of gotten complacent. And Pastor, maybe there's not the oneness and the commonality in my home, first of all, in my family. And second of all, in my faith family that there could be because I'll just admit it, Pastor. I'm a little too much about myself. I'm just a little bit too much about myself my needs, not others. My kingdom, not God's. And pastor, I know I need to repent. The Spirit revealed it through His Word, and I'm repenting, and I'm telling my Lord, I will start first and foremost by serving my family that He ordained and gave me, and I will start secondly by serving my faith family. Pastor, I can help fix toilets. Pastor, I can pull weeds. Pastor, I can help prepare food. Pastor, I can help visit the sick and the needy. Pastor, I can give financially. Pastor, I have something that could be sold to meet a need. Pastor, I can take the gospel to West Africa. Whatever that is, just have an open heart. I don't know what he'll tell you to do, friend, but I know God will tell you to be like Jesus. And Jesus gave all with a willing heart, no greed whatsoever in it. 
So I'm going to pray you make your prayer there. If you receive Christ today or you need to know more about that, I'll be here once we conclude. You come and see me. Come and talk to me. Our elders are here as well. I just want to put a prayer, prayer covering over us all. Could we stand up around our tables very respectfully? I'm going to ask you to grab the hand of the person next to you, even if you don't know them. We're going to pray. We're going to pray in a unified prayer this morning. This is our family. Guest, if you're here, we welcome you in to this family. If it's how God leads you, we would love to have you. Faith family members, thank you. Thank you for being the church. God is calling. I, I sense it strong in my spirit. God is calling each person to step up and serve Christ selflessly. To serve Him. To help love on the little ones. To help out in preschool ministry. You can keep a grandchild. You can keep one of God's children. You can teach them about the love of God that the heavens declare His glory. To help our kids' ministry, K through fourth graders, such a pivotal point. Most that come to Jesus will do so by about the fourth, fifth grade. What a blessing to be a part of that. Help out with our teenagers, one of the most pivotal, hardest times of their life where they just need to know their love and need to be pointed in the right way even when everything's pulling against them to walk the ways of the world, the ways of the enemy. To use that voice God's given you, that ability to play an instrument, to use that big old servant heart to do whatever needs to be done to prepare God's place for God's people and those yet to come to Christ. Father, we thank you, God. It's by your grace, Father, literally God's riches at Christ's expense, that we stand unified together, Father God, asking you, God, we can't bring unity. You have to produce it, Holy Spirit. Make us more like Jesus. Make us more one. Help us to be your hands and feet to meet the needs of a lost and dying world, of hurting people, of disturbed teenagers, of mothers in domestic violence. Help us touch, Lord, the orphans and the widows, God, as we even see an example before us in this room, God, of, of, of the beauty of your love for us. God, multiply that ministry for the glory of God. Thank you for salvation for the sinner today who confesses and believes. Thank you for those getting baptized next Sunday, God. Help others follow through in obedience if they haven't, Father unashamed to be on your team, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you, God. Lord, stir in people's heart to learn your word this Wednesday night, Father God. Thank you for this time. Thank you for Miss Vicki, Lord, our team, God, that serve us not only today, but so, Lord, many on Wednesday nights and different times, and as well as the extended ones that help serve us, Lord. Bless them, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen, church. Beautiful picture. Love you. Hug somebody. Tell somebody about Jesus. Invite them to church.